life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. If you're listening to this on the Friday it's released, while you're listening to this, we are currently prepping to be on track at Laguna mm-hmm. Seca in California. Yeah, just the thought of that is uh, a little exciting. It's, it's a very lot cool. exciting, actually. It's very cool. And if everything comes through as it's supposed to, and, and you and I are always very cautious about this because we are very much of the mind. We don't have a press car until we're currently driving it down the road. And we haven't right. shot the press car until we've returned it and don't need it anymore. Correct. But the Correct. car we're supposed to have is the fairly recent Corvette C7 Z06 carbon package. Carbon 65, yes. Which sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to have that for both track and Pacific Coast Highway Drive, and that is actually going to – and there's a weird – this is all happening at once. We're going to try to figure out a episode of TV in the midst of this whole adventure. Mm-hmm. There's, there's madness going on this weekend. This I'm, I'm already wild. bracing myself. Yeah, and I will just say in advance, just roll with us. If you're coming to track day, we are looking forward to seeing you. Thank you so (laughs) much. It's going to be wild, and uh, we'll, of course, have a bunch of stories to talk about. But we'll be Mm -hmm. trying to shoot a TV episode in the midst of this, as Todd has said. So you're just going to have to roll with it if we don't get quite all of our conversations in. Just know that we're filming (laughs) and in, you know, camera and filming mode. So we're trying to do double duty here. Yeah, for sure. But it'll be fun. We'll make it work. The the Pacific Coast Highway Drive that we're going to do with everybody is going to be just that. We're actually going to get our filming done not on that drive, which will be great. But of course, the track day is kind of all in one. You and I have got to be on track, talking to camera, <laughs> yeah. driving the car, enjoying ourselves, hanging out with people. It's going to be very cool, but it's going to be a lot. I'm I'm actually really excited, but if you're listening to this, it's kind of happening now. Somewhere, <laughs> one it. of us is wearing a helmet and the other one's holding a camera. That's what's going on right, right now. Yeah. Very true. Very true. We'll have Edgar with us as well, so you get yeah, to meet him. Great. And uh, yeah, this is going to be great. So... Looking forward to it. We've got a great couple of debates here, and uh, as I do research, I am off into the weeds of bring a trailer. It's so it's, dangerous because uh, yeah, I it's think a scary, scary place. Huh, I've never considered that car. Yeah, what exactly. if I? You almost have to have a, a set amount of money, like twenty grand, set aside before you even start shopping <laughs> or looking on bring a trailer because yeah. everything's an auction, and so if you uh-huh. want it, yeah, you're going to have to throw down watch right yourself. away. Yep, absolutely. So I recommend sure. having a budget over here already to go because well maybe it's a good thing that you don't so it yeah keeps you thing. from buying something yeah, don't, don't don't sell a car when you bring a trailer scary things could happen it is a great site though uh, we do have two actually excellent car debates and many many questions there's so many questions yeah this is gonna be great it's gonna be very fun we've got Hui up in portland oregon he has written to us uh with an interesting conundrum here yeah for sure he is wanting to get rid of his 2002 acura nsx mm-hmm. crazy yeah this yeah, is yeah. going to be interesting. Well, to his credit, though, he's saying, should I? And if so, what? True. He's not, I'm planning on it, but he's just going, <laughs> okay, what might be next? Which is a great question. We've also got Sam writing to us from Connecticut, and uh, he's actually got some questions about, well, let's be honest. He had a friend that ruined him. That's <laughs> yeah. what's happened here. He yeah, has he a did. Mustang GT that was awesome until he drove his friend's Z06, and now he is forever ruined. So we have to try to figure out how to talk Sam out of his tree and, and, <laughs> right. and solve his problem as well. Right. All right. Well, starting out with Huey up in Portland, as we said, he wrote to us with this thing in mind, Mm -hmm. he's selling his O2 NSX or possibly. Yeah. So he's thinking about doing this. But before we get into this, he had written to us earlier about getting a salvage title or just a regular clean title FRS for his son. Mm -hmm. 
and just writing in and helping talk everything through, and yeah, you we, replied to it. Yeah, I was writing I back, and he was just asking me a lot of kind of first-time driver versus FRS questions. And so he and I went back and forth on a couple of emails, since I'm the FRS freak, and, and owned mm-hmm. one at the time, of course. And we were just right. talking about he was He was finding, as we all are, finding amazing deals on these cars to the point that it was actually in the budget – Right, and so he's asking questions about okay, could my son really learn to drive stick on this car? How difficult is it? We're having these kind of conversations. Right, right. They found one. They found a 2013 FRS within their budget, and his son is beyond in love with the car and is getting better at manual every day. So that is a huge victory that I'm thrilled about, Huey. I'm gl- really, really glad that 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 played out that way and that he's so excited. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, so listen to his two-car garage household. Yes, there, listen keep to this. that in mind. There are two actual <laughs> garage slots. And right. now begins the list. Here we go. O2 NSX, which is his. Mm-hmm. He's got a 1973 240Z, which he just finished restoring. Also his, yes. 2015 Mercedes E350. That's mm-hmm. his wife's car. Mm-hmm. All right. 2017 Honda Ridgeline. Also his. <laughs> the disease is real, everyone. Yes, it is. And again, the FRS that we just talked about, that's for the kids. He also sold an 05 S2000. And he's also sold an O2 S2000. Clearly, there was S2000 love. Yeah. Preludes, Cooper S's. Well, that, now we're getting into just past history Integra, in general. But yeah. Yeah, past the FRS, this is what he has sold. Yeah. But clearly, he's a Honda guy. Yes, okay. for sure. Uh, 91 Mr. 2 Turbo, mm-hmm. CRV, 4Runner, E39, the extra BMW E39 5 Series in there, which yeah. is cool. But, but the other thing wow. I think is funny is the, the S2000 was sold recently. Mm-hmm. I think it yeah. was sold because I my guess is that you just needed uh, not garage space, probably driveway space for the FRS. I do find it funny that you have a two car garage and you <laughs> personally to stake claim to more cars than you have garage space. Forget the fact that you have a child with a car and a wife with a car. You personally have more cars in the garage space. Right. This is how bad this is. Yes. Okay. All right. So as we firmly firmly established as enthusiasts, yes, we're always looking, always shopping for sure. And it says here, Hui's NSX has been his dream car since he was a teenager in the 90s. So he's owned it for a few years, but now toying around with the idea of buying something else because Mm -hmm. he's had it a while. Mm -hmm. So good news, everybody. We know of a really clean O2 (laughs) NSX for sale. If you'd like to- well-loved. If you're interested, contact us. But he's got about 65 grand to spend if he gets rid of the NSX. But this is the question. Because it he's means sitting it's really here nice. saying, if, if you've got sixty five, I mean that means yeah. your NSX is worth something there. Well, but who knows if he's going to sell it for that? That's not necessarily what he's selling sure. for. But that's the money sure. that he theoretically would have available to buy what's true. next. But that's Very where true. the question becomes, because he's saying there's nothing I feel like at that budget that can replace his NSX, but I'm also feeling like it's time for a new experience. Mm-hmm. So that's his real, real Which struggle here. Which we also here. preach, you realize. Absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. Yeah. And there's a lot of interesting things here. He says he wants something that puts a smile on his face, handles great, good on back roads, not boring in the city. He's not obsessed with the power of it, but it's got to have – this is the big thing. He wants to have the feeling and connection of the car and the road. Mm. Yeah. He's got some cars he's thought about, but I went sniper shot on this. Did you? I've come with one car. Really? Yes. Well, the cars that he's suggested to us so far are the first-gen Audi R8, which he knows that you and I love We this love car. that car. It's a great car. Yes. Although I'm concerned about 65K. I don't know if you can get it done at this point, as of this recording. I don't know if you can get it done for that price. Last time I looked, which was actually recently... Of course it was, yes. I still saw him in the 80K range for good ones, real Mm -hmm. nice ones. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, that might be a higher mileage car, maybe, but I think it's a stretch Mm -hmm. to get into that R8 for that price. So we'll leave it there. 
I also like on your list this F-type Jag. Yeah, we, we can like talk those. about Jag F-types They're all fun. day long. I really like point. that a lot. Same with the Cayman S or GTS. Although I'm still seeing GTSs above 65, they're still pushing 70 right now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, but my, maybe again higher mileage on that. And then of course maybe a 911 is on the list. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. also mentions M3s and M4s and says they're amazing machines and better than my NSX in every way. We could also debate that statement right well, but, there. But he's talking about it in, if you, if you look at the stats sheet, if you look at the G-forces, if you look at the stuff where it's been tested, sure. it's better than the NSX in every way. Sure. But, but then he goes on to say, but I'm not in love with them, which right. is key. Right. That's, that's the foundation for what we're looking for here. So he's looking, what should we do? What should mm-hmm. he do? Mm-hmm. And first of all, we've got to answer the question, should he sell it or keep it? Yeah. yeah. And then if he does sell it, then what? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious where you landed. Well, look, that NSX is hard to replace, and here's why. Because all of the cars since have gotten heavier, more safety conscious, mm-hmm. and less connected to the road. So... Yeah, that NSX for the is, most part. In that era of, of 90s cars, you could shop another 90s car, theoretically, and have similar feel. But okay. in general, cars have left that analog feeling for more, I don't know, dis- describe it how you will. Some things have gone digital. I mean, we, we can think of cars as digital steering. We can think of cars as digital braking. Yeah. Everything's got more airbags. There's all more safety features and sure, traction sure. controls. And everything has done these things that typically, not always, but typically make cars less connected and less analog. Mm-hmm. You've got a pinnacle of analog cars and a car that runs, mind you. So it's True. that's a hard thing to replace. So you're thinking Mitsubishi Starion? I am, absolutely. That's exactly where it's going. That's perfect. Uh, So there's that. Yeah, exactly. Find yourself a $65,000 slammed uh, (laughs) Supra, and we're done. No, that's actually not what I'm thinking either. But So this is the thing about your list. The R8, I love. But honestly, that car is going to feel large and numb compared to your NSX. (laughs) Large and numb. It is. And I like (laughs) that car a lot. I like that car a lot, okay? It's great. The Jaguar F-Type, really fun. Great car. Light, agile, interesting. Totally different experience in your NSX, I feel like. True, which is not a bad thing. Not necessarily. Uh, the Cayman and the GTS, the Cayman S and GTS, I think the current gen that you own, Paul, I think is also less connected than is NSX and, and will also feel larger, as do I think about the 911. Yeah, I mean... And all of those are great it's cars. It's a thin slice. They're I mean, all I'm great noticing cars. it on my GTS, but I, I still love the car. I still love the feeling. No, of course. There's nothing... There's But then you can tell, all right... Analog racks, you know, the hydraulic racks yeah. is a difference yeah. in most of them. We come back to the S2000, and you and I are hard-pressed to tell a difference. Yeah. That's the problem. True, so, true, true. Electric steering rack, that's great in that you car, know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But uh, there is that. And then then the 911, too. So mm-hmm. curious. Where'd I mean, you, where'd you those four are great. I think your, your headspace is, is correct here. But here's where I went. I was really struck by one thing that he said in here very specifically, and okay. that is... I'm going on, I want something to do long road trips and do city driving, that kind of stuff, but it gives me a feeling of connection with the car and the road. And then I put that with what an NSX is from that analog era. And I go, how on earth do we replace that? Hmm. And I land at one car. <laughs> I'm wondering if I know it. The Evora. I was going to say, yeah. Because you're still yeah. mid-engine. You're still a car with a lot of personality. You're still a car with an analog feel, but you have made a more modern car choice. 
And <laughs> the Avoras you're going to get for less than 65 are probably not going to be the super hottest Avora ever. And it's also not going to be the current 400. It's going to be the prior gen. But here's the thing. The NSX was never known to be a powerhouse in sheer power. But right. it is a car right. that is connected, the driver of the road, etc. So that's what the Avora does as well. I think the only answer here, if you want to move to something else, I feel like my sniper shot answer is the Evora, and I'm done. Wow. I, this is nuts, because this car is on my list, too. Not surprised. Yeah. I was thinking about it from, you know, starting with proportions. Mm -hmm. I love that fighter jet canopy of the NSX. I love the look of it. I love the mid-engine configuration, all of that stuff. And I think, what is a modern-looking mm -hmm. NSX? Mm -hmm. It's an Evora. Mm -hmm. It really is. Now... Being the Porsche guy and the Cayman guy, <laughs> I do also suggest a 2016 Cayman S. Found one for you on uh, okay. Marshall Goldman. Okay. They have one for 63 right now. Manual transmission, agate gray, beautiful car. But I did find uh, some more Lotus Avora S's. Could you bump up your budget? I'm just asking <laughs> because I have to. It's Let's me. find the Paul limiter, yeah. I... um. One of my favorite sites here is Park Place LTD up in Washington. Their stuff's in awesome and not that far from him. Yeah, that's that's why I thought about this. And uh -oh. so it's lotusofbellevue.com, but Park Place LTD. Yeah. That's yeah. the site. They have a Lotus Avora 400. Ooh, what's the price? Well, here's the deal. Yeah, here's, it's expensive. It's, it's not a deal. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not a deal. However, it's solid yellow, solar yellow. Oh. Black interior. I like all Manual this. transmission. All of this is good. Beautiful car. Uh -huh. They had it listed at $95,000. Sure. And they just dropped it to eighty nine. I'm okay. wondering if you could offer them eighty six. I'm wondering if I can saw off a limb and sell it for 90 grand. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I do like the styling update. I do like the interior. I love what they have done. And if it's you been could, significant for If that you could car. jump up to the 400, I would say definitely go 400. Oh. But for your budget, you can get the standard version, the Avora, and maybe even an S all day long. Oh, yeah. I would say S for 65. Yeah. You could do yeah, that. yeah. If you can't, for sure. I just, I love the 400s. I love the fact They're that you great. drove one. They're great. I, I sure. really was delighted with the build quality and yeah. that feeling that comes out through the build quality and, and the new materials and further. all that yeah. stuff. I really did appreciate that. So I kind of have found your car, Hui, at $89,950. <laughs> except, except you're going to have to sell at least something else other than just the NSX to get there. <laughs> but you've got plenty of cars, so maybe that's an option. I'm just saying. Do you need the Ridgeline? <laughs> Just asking, <laughs> borrow yeah. the E350 and load that full of peat moss when you need to go to That's very Home funny. Depot. That's very Just funny. Just saying. Yeah, I'm I'm loving that. So Cayman S as well, but uh, hopefully that's helpful. I will say this on the Cayman, because the Cayman's a good contender here. But I think if he's going to go Cayman, he should go first gen. Going back to 0708, you thinking? Well, but what, what did they make him up through? 2010 before they hopped uh, generations? There were some... Uh, little differences starting in 08. Well, well of course, refresh, there was the refresh, of course, but I'm saying kind of any first-gen Cayman. You could go point two, which starts in 09. 09 to but, 12. But not the current gen, which is what you own. I'm talking the prior gen, so go point two. You know what you Because I think you've said it before. I think those cars have a little bit more analog feel than the current gen. They do. I agree. And so I, I think, personally, if you're going to go Cayman, I think you go back a generation. You don't buy current one. What about a Cayman R? From 2012. Yes, yes. Those cars actually did come with PDK, but you can mm -hmm. get them with manual too. Mm -hmm. What about a nice Cayman R? Yeah, yeah. They had them in that lime green color. They had them in that crazy orange too. All crazy colors orange. that I, a child, would drive. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the Skittles colors. Yes, of course. I love it. It's all better. 
All right, Hui, write to us with uh, with your decision because it sounds like both Todd and I are, are of the mindset to sell the NSX, and that really is because if you've enjoyed it and you've achieved your dream car, agreed. Then agreed. Why not move on to something new? Totally. It's okay to grow, and like we keep saying, you don't have to dislike that NSX to get rid of it. True. So. True. Sounds like you and I are of the mindset to sell it. So, everybody listening, we know of a great NSX. Contact <laughs> we'll us. We'll see, yeah. And if you've got your own debate, write to us, TV at gmail.com, or go to the website, and there you can find a way to contact us as well for your own debate. Guys, we'll take a quick break and be right back. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real price on actual inventory. There's nothing worse than getting there and they go, well, we don't have that actual car you looked up. So a lot of times that's not the case, but with True Car, it is the case. You can configure a car online, use a True Car certified dealer. The pricing that you get is on actual inventory. There is a car that backs up that price. There are over 13,000 True Car certified dealers nationwide. And True Car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with these TrueCar certified dealers. And plus, TrueCar users save an average of over 3000 off MSRP. Don't get me wrong. This is not TrueCar says, we think the price is this. No, the TrueCar certified dealer says this is the price for the car. TrueCar is the conduit. So you want to work directly with TrueCar, go to TrueCar and find the car you want. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets. Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. We're back with another car debate, this one for Sam in Connecticut. Yes. And uh, Sam is a 38-year-old divorced dad with two kids. So the sports car has to be able to fit two kids. This is the big twist of this entire (laughs) debate. He has a 2015, so current-gen Mustang GT with a manual. We like this car. Oh, yeah. yeah. And everything was going great. was going wonderful for our friend Sam. Until you drove other things. And then a friend of his, he's had Fords forever. He's loved Fords. He's had Mustangs. He's a big Ford guy. Then a friend of his loaned him his Corvette Z06. Yikes. And now Sam is in turmoil. <laughs> this is the problem. So that was a C7 Z06. So it's the current gen Z06. And isn't that the problem? Our cars are fine until we drive the cool thing we've always been wanting to drive. Or we don't know we wanted to drive. Yeah, right. And I mean, and let's look, look, something look new. let's be honest. Let's be honest. That Z06 is almost three times more expensive than his Mustang, too. It is. I, I mean, agree. when you jump to that kind of world, it's really hard to come back to Earth. It's really difficult. And I have to laugh, Sam. I loved reading your email here because you're Ford guy and suddenly Chevy, should I even consider what on earth? this? What on earth? And now you can't stop thinking about this yeah. car. It's clearly wormed your way, wormed its way into your head mm-hmm, as you're mm-hmm. sipping your chai latte. Listening to us, so thank you for writing. This is going to be fun because, yeah, yeah you didn't know you were going to like this Z06 until you drove it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it sounds like your friend was very nonplussed driving your manual GT but after no, coming out of that No car. offense, though. Of course he would be, and, yeah. I, and, and that's no slight against that Mustang GT. I agree. But if I agree. your daily is a Corvette Z06 and you hop in a Mustang GT, you're going to be like, well, yeah, okay, sure. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, anyway. 
So listen to Sam here. He says, oh my gosh, this car was amazing. It felt light, powerful, balanced, not to mention drop-dead gorgeous in the Long Beach red exterior with Kalahari interior. <laughs> he paid no attention to what it was. He just got <laughs> no it and drove it. didn't care. He said, I have honestly never felt this level of power that is accessible and quite honestly friendly, mm-hmm. which is something you and I agree with. It is some fantastic car. Yeah, absolutely. It really absolutely. is. Yeah. And that's what Corvettes are so good at and you know, the budget thing. You and I are always talking about the C7 versus a base Cayman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now with the 781, they're actually cheaper, way cheaper. Yeah. Which is crazy to think. So, yeah, performance traction modes and uh, <clears throat> you're smitten, it sounds like. For sure. For sure. But coming back to this four-seat thing, thanks to the kids, <laughs> he says, Sam feels like he's driving an aircraft carrier with a modicum of power. Oh, man. This is hard. This is difficult. We're, we're feeling it. Because here. what's happened is you've jumped into it. There's not another way to put it. You've kind of jumped into a supercar and gone back to your daily. Mm-hmm. And we've had that experience before. Yeah. It's it's just, that's difficult. It's really difficult. <laughs> so you're first off, you've been moving all the chess pieces of your budget around and figuring out any way you can do this. <laughs> and you're not sure if you can, but you're trying really hard what limbs can you sell. By the way, I'm going to just say this to you. You may have thought of it. I'm just going to put it out there. As a dad, don't sell the kids. You will regret that. Don't sell the kids, okay? As tempting as it is. Just right? telling you, telling you, don't think of that as an asset. That is a child. Just <laughs> saying as the dad of the show, don't sell the kids. But here's the thing. You've also started to drive other things. You've gotten real curious. So you drove the Camaro Z20 at the last gen. Right, right. Heavy was your takeaway. But good engine. <laughs> you drove the current ZL1, also heavy. <laughs> Not wrong. Yeah, true. Uh Shelby GT350 was was close to, to hitting all the buttons for you, but you felt like it wasn't as interesting at low speeds as you'd like it to be. Challenger Hellcat, amazing motor, but very heavy, which is exactly <laughs> what that car is. That's the Challenger for sure. And then you did drive the C7 Grand Sport, which is less, the, uh, less power than the Z06, but a lot of the features. And you said the power was lacking. Well, yes, it's not the Z06. This is the problem, <laughs> but still very impressive. That's what you've driven, and now you're going, okay, um, 60 grand. Should I do this? What do I do? I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here okay. and I, I might be not practicing what I'm preaching, but I love the fact that you're open-minded to other car manufacturers, that I you're agree. open to other brands so much so that you're just willing to leave the GT behind. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you, Sam. For sure. I think that's sure. fantastic. Here I am saying that as Porsche freakazoid. Yeah. But I love BMWs. Mm-hmm. I was looking at this M2 for the longest time. Yeah. Didn't yeah, work yeah. out. Hasn't worked out yet. But yeah. I'm I'm still all about BMWs, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. I love all kinds of cars. So I'm I'm working on my own self. I admit that, admitting to everybody. But yeah, I'm I'm proud of you for for branching out here, and uh, I love the fact that you need this two door sports car. Yeah, you need a two door sports car. But that but the problem is, if you get a two door sports car, then you have to get a commute car. You have to get mm. something that definitely has back seats. I, essentially, what's happened in this email, Sam, and it's lengthy, but it's fun and detailed. What's happening is you're having a battle with yourself before we even read it, trying to figure out how <laughs> right. you how you convince yourself and kind of by default convince us that the right answer here is you're supposed to go buy a Z06. And I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that. Okay. Yeah. I like it's, this. It's cool, though. I like this. Well, he also says in this email, as someone who does not want to own German or Japanese cars. I noticed this. 
I honestly cannot think of a better alternative that will serve me well for years to come. Mm -hmm. He also said he's currently one year from paying off the Mustang GT, but he thinks he can expedite that by paying it off sooner, <laughs> which means... It's going to be a Viking burial for this car and some sort of insurance claim it's because he must, he must move on. But yeah, you, you drove something else and, and it's... <laughs> All bad, yes. It's in there. It's like a splinter in there. We get it. Okay, so he's saying his budget right now for the C seven zero six or similar, yeah, right, uh huh, yeah, sixty to seventy grand, yeah. Okay, so is he wrong to consider this car? And then for this third car, <laughs> the budget for the third car with four seats would be about fifteen thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. So should he get the Prius, Commute, GTI? Something just front-wheel drive and workable and usable yeah. as he yeah. dreams about commuting in his Z06. Yeah, he certainly could. He could. But I'm I think just wondering. if you're going to do the second car, though, and, and that is actually one of the ways I followed on this, I think you have to get something that is at least somewhat fun to drive, somewhat interesting to drive. Mm -hmm. unless, yeah. unless you've decided you want to go Prius, unless that's how you want to go. But, you know, we have said for fifteen grand you can buy <clears throat> I3s. If you this want to true. go like full commute car, this not dynamic, true. but a full commute car, you could go I3. I don't know what your commute is like. You haven't mentioned that to us. But I did did think if you're going to shop that world, you can go Mazda 3 all day long. Get a Mazda 3. Funny you said that. You can do you, – you mentioned to use GT. I think, I think that's worthwhile. Look into Volvos too. Yeah, could be good. Good interiors. I mean these are not dynamic cars, but good interiors, nice place to be. You can buy those for fifteen grand. Yeah, could could very well be. Although I'm going to challenge you as well, Sam. I'm first going to start by saying go drive an E ninety M three. And I know you told us. I no have a German similar challenge. I have a similar challenge, but keep going. You do? Yeah. Here's why. The E ninety is of course the four door of the last gen, well, now two, actually, kind of well, I guess I guess still it's getting one. it's getting confusing, but yes, it's essentially a generation back. It was the one with the big V eight, right? The now one with left. the V eight. Yes. I mean, the new one is Before coming. They, We're yeah. right at the tail end of this current F eighty generation, so one back. I'm just I'm wanting you to go drive that mm -hmm. car because it sounds like a V eight is what you want in your life, but yeah. you need this four door car, mm -hmm. and I just want you to have a benchmark. I want you to know what we love about this car and what we admire about it's it. It's a and good how do it good all. It really yeah. is. You said it yourself, you like wrenching on cars, so you don't mind going used. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, you know, you're, you've limited yourself to American-built cars here, or American cars. I'm I'm just putting it out there. Drive that E90 M3 as a benchmark, as, yeah. hey, yeah, look yeah. what this car can do with the V8. You think it's nose-heavy. It dances. It's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really is surprising. E92, yeah. the, the coupe, that could be fine, but... For the four-door, I've always loved the proportions on the four-door, that E90. It looks great. And it could be an all-in-one car. I agree with you. It could be. I, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. Maybe you go this E92. Is this is a stretch. But the thing is, you wouldn't have to pay nearly the amount of money that you're expecting for that E92. Agreed. Agreed. E like E90, E92, not at all. E92 and maybe 20 grand left over for a newer Mazda 3 as your commute car. Possibly. V8 Look at you. Thirsty. Look at you cutting underneath the budget. I'm impressed. I'm trying I'm impressed. here. I'm trying to kind of balance things out. I, now, I know we're acknowledging that, you know, you don't like the German and Japanese cars for whatever mm -hmm. those reasons mm -hmm. are, but we are putting down this challenge. I love the fact that you want this Z06, and it sounds like you're going to do whatever it takes yeah. to squeeze this out yeah. of your budget. It kind of sounds inevitable. It does sound like a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. kind of think Which that's, is why that's I'm, happening. I want to throw down challenges as we well approve, for the same reason. We've, yeah, we've got to you know, offer some counterpoint before you go screaming to your dealership and mm -hmm. you know scrolling through everything. Park Place LTD also has a really nice blue one, Laguna Blue. 
They said, call us for price. I'm not sure how much they're asking for Is this the Z06? One. It's a Ooh, Z06. Yikes. They've got a lot of just Z51 regular C7s. Yeah. I mean, you could do that, Sam. You could get a Z51, just yeah. a regular C7, and then over time add performance parts to it. That's a thought. You that's could do thought. that to yeah. get the price lower, spend more money on your nicer commute car that's the four-door, mm-hmm. you know, you really like mm-hmm. that, and then over time, you know, add performance parts because you yeah. know those are easily accessible. You like wrenching. Yeah. You could that's do a, that. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't, hadn't gone that route at all. I can see where you're going. Just, yeah. I mean, we love that build yourself regular up. C7. Brilliant car. Yeah. And then slowly build up the seats you want, build up the suspension, yeah. add power, yeah. change the brakes, you know, all those kinds of things. Sure, it doesn't say Z06, but then mm-hmm. you can actually do it like you want. So there is Interesting that. Interesting twist. Just okay. a thought. Just okay. a thought. But go ahead. Uh, here's the thing, Sam. I, I'm going to say a couple of things. And I'm just – honestly, what I'm doing is challenging you here. Because as Paul said, this email is very much, hi, guys. I drove a Z06. I want a Z06. What do you, fi- what do you think if I get a Z06? Please approve my spe- yeah. expenditures. So, so maybe you will. Maybe this is a foregone right. conclusion. But for you and for anybody else listening, I just want to throw out some challenges to just kind of think out of the box here. And the box that you've been in, by your own admission, is American cars and Fords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's happened with the Z06 is a couple things. First off, it stepped you out of Ford, which is great, but it's also put you into something with earth-rending power. Mm-hmm. And I will fully admit that is intoxicating, but don't shop for a car just based on how fast it is with power. Yeah. Now, you've said that the yeah. Z06 is sorted, and I agree with you. It's sorted all across the board, but I, I will speak for the low-powered cars, okay? There is something about having a car you can use the power of, and that Z06 how often are you going to use that power? How often? Sure, unless it's, you're tracking it's, it. it's a laugh. How yeah. often, though, are you going to feel like you're using all that power? And just having that much under, underfoot is is fun for sure. But I don't think that should be the deciding factor. I mean, I think it's interesting here. You made the comment where you drove the C7 Grand Sport and liked it, but it wasn't as powerful. Of course it wasn't as powerful. <laughs> of course it wasn't. Right. But do you need that power? I understand the want. This is the reason Hellcats sell, because the power is a laugh. I get it. But I'm really yeah. going to challenge you in that regard. Second thing I'm going to challenge you is you say no German or Japanese cars. Why? I'm I get wondering. the sense you wondering. haven't driven them. I get the sense that the Z06 was a revelation because you haven't driven really much outside of Ford. So I have right. to say it, and I'm not even the Porsche guy. You must go drive the 991911, the current 911. Your budget buys this car, Sam. Absolutely. And I love that you said that as too. As much as I like, as much as I personally prefer the 997, the prior gen, the current gen has become bigger and now those back seats can actually be used. You and your two kids could get places in a 911. Now, we know people, look, Diane, True. who had the 997 in our 50 Years of 911 film, right, right. she drove her kids around all the time in her 911. That was a 997. The 991's I mean, gotten bigger. did, which was so cool. Yeah, it's gotten bigger and more usable. You could get yourself, I actually shopped for you. You can get yourself a current gen 991, current Whoa. gen 911 for your budget of 70 grand or less. You can. I would recommend the S if you can pull it off. Yeah. But yeah. still, okay, look, if you look at the horsepower number right now, you're going to tell me I'm crazy. You're going to go, well, hang on. It's got 350 horsepower, 400 horsepower. I yeah. get it. Yeah. I get it. But go drive the car because it is one of those cars that you talk about with the, with the Z06 where it's a good package. Everything's well, well, just connected the power, the handling, the yeah, that well 991 sorted. is yeah. absolutely that 991 is really, really cool. Watch our 50 years of 911 film. And I say this as the non Porsche guy that doesn't really want a 911. <laughs> watch our 50 years of 911. Watch the, watch the stuff I learn about that, about those cars. You have to go drive one. And I say that because this is homework, man. 
it's clear you haven't had that experience. And, you know, I love your BMW recommendation, Paul, but honestly, if somebody said to me, reliability wise, I'd buy the Porsche over the BMW every day. I could see that. I, I agree. And But then back to the V8 question. I mean, if he wants that front engine V8, it's going to yes. be hard to get him away from that. Agreed. Agreed. But, right? that's, but that's my challenge here. Yeah. If that's been your life experience, step out of that just to taste the other side, if you will, and go, should I go somewhere else? That's a great t-shirt. Taste the other side, Porsche. <laughs> Taste the other side with a flat six. <laughs> anyway, so you, I, I, I'm, I'm seriously, you have to, to drive that. the 911. And while you're at it, I'm going to bring it up because I brought it up before. Drive an Evora mm-hmm. because that's so yeah. completely different than yeah. anything you've driven. I don't actually think the Evora is the answer for you, but we have a friend, Craig, who drives an Evora and take, does the school run. Yeah, true. Okay? true. That is technically a two plus two. I want to, <laughs> for insurance purposes only. Yeah. I, but I want to give you different life experience, Sam, before you throw down, because my suspicion here is Sam's buying a Z06. I get that idea. But before that very happens, much a, guys, would you let's go drive some stuff. Yeah. Because I, if that Z06 was as revelatory as it was to you, I want to get you into other things so you have reference points. Yeah. Good. Good. All right, Sam. Well, let us know. We're curious, of course. For sure. Yeah. It would be a huge coup if you didn't at this point. Well, yeah, it seems like a foregone conclusion, but that's but what makes still. this kind of interesting. Okay, hang on. Hang on. Drive some stuff. Hang yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. All right, jump into social media here, guys. Thank you so much for your questions. There's so many on here, which is great. And uh, I love that you're handing out homework, too. So <laughs> people are asking. This is great. I'm going to start with Alec V on Facebook about Todd and Paul. Yes. What would be your ultimate winter beater if you had a budget of up to $200,000? Alec, it would be a $5,000 Mazda 3. <laughs> And a $195,000 bank account, if I'm honest. That was unbelievably mature of you, by the way. I know. So now, being immature, I have to go to TopGearPorsche.com, which is a dealership out in New Jersey. They have this, um, I've got this soft spot for the Mercedes G550s, and especially the 4x4 squared ones, which have the, the offset axle and they're even higher they You've ride really got high to be kidding they're goofy there's one in electric beam yellow for two hundred eighty nine thousand dollars. so why not heck wow well that, that would be my ultimate winter beater if you can even that's call funny it that. i marked this question as well but i have i have sub questions <laughs> and that is does it have to be can it can it just be this is the car i'm driving in the winter and i'm driving period does it sure. have to be a car that just gets beat on in the winter can it be just car because i'll tell you what i'd do $200,000 worth of Uber rides? No, I wouldn't. Oh. I'd do an R8. Oh, yeah. I'd do an R8 in some, you know, yeah. solar teenage color. <laughs> yeah. And I'd get it wrapped in paint protection film. And I'd, I'd, I'd get uh, the suction cup uh, ski rack on the back or bike rack on the back. And I would just do that. Sure. I mean, Porsche makes a lot of great winter beaters. You know, the you know, and, and full Panamera for- Turbo S is a great winter beater well true but you could do but at that point you could almost do the 911 turbo too i mean you could play in that world for all-wheel drive but but because it speaks to all the stuff i like about cars and it's all-wheel drive and it has a nice interior i mean when i hear two hundred thousand, i don't think winter beater i think (laughs) what's the car that can do winter and you can't believe i'm doing winter in that car i think investment status would separate thing you could all i mean you could almost do huracan 200 grand. But, you could actually. But, which I would, because I'm a Barely. child, would prefer. But the R8, I think, is what I would do. I'm wondering if a Kermit Green car is in your future then. Sure, I mean, why not? The orange and the yellow and keep it going. I got to work right? my way through the Skittles. At some so. point, I'll buy a purple GT3 just to get it done. I think you should. Ridiculous. I like this. Yeah, uh, there's, there's money is no object. Yeah, anyway, uh, I, have to, I have to laugh at Michael's question from Facebook. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> Michael writes in, Michael DeVitro writes in and goes, why am I in love with the Lexus CT200H? <laughs> and then here's the part of it that makes me laugh. I keep trying to convince my wife this is her next car. Now, Michael, I'm going to stop you. You love it, but not enough for it to be your car. That's what I right. find hysterical about this question. I think it's fine that you like it. You want a hybrid. It's 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 unique hybrid. It's an okay hybrid as far as gas mileage. It's Lexus, which means it's going to run. I get all that, but I think it's hysterical. You love it, but not enough for you. <laughs> I love pickup trucks for other people to own, so, so I can use them. I think it's hysterical. Stop trying to to talk your wife into a car that you think you love. Uh, get her a car she likes. I say that as a man of experience. Don't don't get into the conversation where your wife goes. You know how you want to have a car you like. I don't like my car. I've been there. So just get your wife a car she likes. And, you know, unless you want to drive the CT200H, <laughs> let it go. Let it go, right. my friend. Oh, man. All right. Some other questions on here. I'm uh, looking down here. Oh, Scuderia07 is asking if we're going to the LA Auto Show. Answer is yes for that. You I are definitely, definitely going. I'll definitely be there. Yep. I am editing dependent. Yes, it's it's still up in the air for you, I think. <laughs> it's really going to depend on how bad am I feeling about losing an editing day. That's really what a lot of it's going to be about. And that may sound insane, but all of my deadlines for season two are mid-December. So I'm going to be in the thick of this must get done. Can I take a day? And if I do, that's what I might do. I might literally fly in for the day because I would love to go. I'd love to go to that show. Yeah, I'd love to have you there. I'll be for three days there. Yeah. So I'll be floating be around doing yeah. various things. Uh, Kyle G is asking a great question that I don't think we should get to right now because this is going to take some thought. Oh, okay. What? He's talking about favorite cars of each decade beginning in the 60s. I mm. like this question a lot, but it requires a little bit more research and thought, it does. I feel it like. Does, yeah. But it could be something we could ad address in a future we podcast. We could do an opener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cars kind of thinking that. We could do that. could be fun. Yeah, for sure. Did you see uh, Greg, uh, Greg Stone asked the, uh, the winter, uh, winter tire question. I want to touch on this real quickly. Besides Blizzax, we do like Bridgestone Blizzax. We yeah, both run we them. Yeah, really do. Besides those, what other winter tires uh, do we really like? I'm going to say the Michelin X. Uh, Ice X3 or X3 Ice. I forget which way they list it. Throw some letters That's and numbers good, out on the table. Exactly right. Love it. And, of course, the Nokian Hakapolita pick a vowel. You, know, you did it. I did it. I did it. The well Hakapolita 2s. Those are, those are way up there. Uh, somebody just wrote me about uh, their car recommended the Pirelli Soda Zeros. Those are good, too. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I personally would go Blizzax or uh, the Nokian if it was me, but all the other cars, uh, tires we're listing here are worthwhile. And I will also say this, as a guy that drove a season on Chinese triangle tires. Oh, that's right. That was the brand, not the shape. But those were winter <laughs> tires. And my terrible Chinese no-name winter tires were better than name brand all seasons when, when it hit for snow. Yeah. So winters in general are the good way to go. Always said those tires really smooth out, but only at high speeds. Yes, I've heard, I've heard that joke. It does work. I love that joke. All right. Uh, Jonathan D. is on Facebook asking us, have we or anyone we know ever experienced buyer's remorse? Mm. And if so, what was the story? Alex P. is on here. He says, I second this question because, uh, you know, even if he says, even if you hire an independent third-party shop who specializes in that in that car, you might miss that chemistry, that unknown bond, sure, sure, sure. which does come from driving. Mm -hmm. I'm going to address this by saying, I think the love is already there as evidenced by Sam in our debate mm -hmm. before you even start shopping. I feel like it's a rare thing when you're disappointed so much that you walk away from the car you've been dreaming about and wanting to buy. I think it's very rare. Interesting. You're dreaming about M3s. You're dreaming about them. You love them. You've, you know everything there is to know about M3s. Yeah. 
I think it would be a rare thing if you actually drove the one you wanted Mm -hmm. and then decided, you know, I was wrong. It didn't do blank, blank, and blank for me. Mm. I think you know so much already. Nissan GTRs, M3s, 911s, all those kinds of cars. So I think you already have that in your mind. I've never experienced buyer's remorse, Jonathan D. I have had cars delivered sight unseen, as a matter of fact, two of them, both Porsches. The first one that really got me into it was a 1988 928 Mm -hmm. S4. Mm -hmm. And I had this shipped from a guy in Nebraska. Worked for a huge construction firm, and he was selling it. And I thought, huh, I've always really liked 928s. Never driven one. I bought it sight unseen. Mm -hmm. I was consulting my dad at the time. You know, hey, have you heard of this construction firm? And he said, if he's a VP at that construction firm, you have nothing to worry about. (laughs) Buy the car. You know what I mean? And... And so I did. I had it shipped out to California where I was at the time, and I was delighted with it. I had it for three mm-hmm. years. I loved it. Yeah. But it was very much of a – I've always kind of liked those, and I was looking around for the fun car. Yeah. And I landed there, and I found one for $19,000. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, why not? At the Let's time, that was it. a deal on that car for sure. Yeah. I think they're yeah. going to start to go back up, the nice ones, They actually. are. I think they definitely have I mean, they, they built a lot of them the over the run yeah. of the car. They built almost 60,000 928s in the Oof. run of those cars, yeah. which for Porsche is quite a bit of cars. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've never really experienced the buyer's remorse. I've experienced the buyer's That's funny. The, the money left my bank account status, and uh, wow, but I'm so happy with the car that... You know, that's funny because I have the opposite experience, Jonathan. Um, and I've joked with Paul about this before. Every car I've bought as an adult for 48 hours after I buy it, I think, what have I done? Really? And not and not because the car is bad. I just think, what did I miss? How did I not get a good deal? Oh, What's sure. going to happen now? What angle that, of that the strikes me? Deal and I it's miss? because when my wife and I bought a truck early on, we sold a Jeep she had, and we bought a GMC Yukon, which served us for a decade and was a fantastic yeah. truck. Yeah. But I realized in the forty-eight hours after we sold it, three or four places where I had just been duped in the deal, hmm. and it just it made me panic that hmm. I had really that in the midst of being duped in the deal, I also had bought the wrong truck. Now, luckily, it was just this side of bomb-proof, and yeah. we put like 150,000 miles on it after we, bought, after we bought it. I mean, it was great for us for like a decade. It was wonderful. Yeah. My wife still likes that car. So that's the car we keep chasing for a car for her to love as much as that one. Luckily, the Cayenne's gotten there, but it's, it's taken a there. while. It's so, up there. But, I mean, it happened to me with the Lotus. It happened to me with the Mini. It happened to me with the FRS. I just keep thinking, Interesting. what did I miss? Hmm. But it doesn't make me like the car any less. Now, I do have uh, locally here, Gavin, who used to work with us. Mm-hmm. His dad bought a used 911. Oh, that's now, right. Now, his dad I used to have a 964, story. but his dad bought a used 911. I think it was a turbo 996. And it showed up, and there were two big realizations. One, it was rougher than the pictures in the description made it out to be. Mm-hmm. That was problem one. Yeah. Problem two, he realized it was too much car for him. Hmm. just power-wise. He was like, I, this is too much car for me. And he sold it within a few weeks. So wow. it happens. It happens. Yeah, it does. But it's that, it's that sudden realization of, I didn't expect this twist that typically makes it happen. And it's terrible when it happens. But luckily, cars are not marriages. They are things you can get out of. I, I just, you know, <laughs> it, it's easier to get out of. Uh, Nick wrote in on Instagram and said, the terrible game of Mary... And kill. There's a mid one <laughs> in there, what? but this is a family podcast. Right. Uh, he's going to turn it into daily, track, or crush, and he gave us three hard cars to start with. Yeah. Which one do you daily? Which one do you track? Which one do you crush? Subaru STI, mm-hmm. Evo X, 
Focus RS. Hmm, Nico, interesting question. It sounds like you're going to keep this game going for a long time, but those and are good others will to pick start it up with. too. Yes. Uh, so I would, I would probably daily the Subaru STI. Mm-hmm. I would track the Focus RS. And I would crush the Evo 10. I knew it because you and I are different here. I would daily the Subaru as well. You would. Absolutely. Interesting. I would crush the RS and track the Evo. (laughs) Yeah. Because here's the thing. I really like that RS, but the rotation's better on the Evo. I think that's debatable. I don't don't think it's debatable. As a result, I would keep the Evo. If we're just talking about track, it's where that car's the best. There's a fun Hmm. little game we'll probably come back to. Hmm, Um, Interesting. EWH105 on Instagram said, Thoughts on racing liveries on road cars? My quick thought here is please don't. Oh, well, it depends. I knew you'd say that, but I'm just going to say please don't. It depends. I've seen a lot of the Martini racing liveries on 911s. really overdone. I've seen them really bad. The Visa package on the 918 Spider. Sure. Is interesting to me, and I see what they're doing, but I need it to back way off mm-hmm. for me to even consider that. Here I am talking about, should I get that on my 918 in the future? <laughs> no. I know that was what you were debating right now. Not yeah. going to happen. But I've seen them on 911s, and I think there's some tasteful things. There's also the BMW guys that paint the three colors right on the front leading edge of their grill. I have no problem with that. That's not a whole livery, but though. But that's not a whole livery. Unless you're racing, I'm... I'm not all about it. I like little things, little details, mm-hmm. but the whole car splash like that, it just seems so pretentious. It seems like you're trying to turn your Suzuki into a Mercedes and you stuck a you know, badge on that. Yeah. It seems like, really? Well, you know what you're doing. We all know what you're doing. It's the too. guys that commute and never have been to the track, but they have a bunch of sponsors listed on their quarter panel. You've seen those? Yeah. That one. The one that makes me laugh, though, somebody this somebody will find this again because I've seen it before. It's the meme where a guy took a picture of somebody with one of those cars. And, and initially, you want to roll that by it, and you look at it, and you realize it says it looks like logos. Every word is a different thing, like it's a logo, but it says bread, milk, eggs. It's just his list for groceries, but it looks like that. Instead that one Pirelli made, tires, that one made so, me laugh. That one genuinely made me laugh. So, yeah, instead of Pirelli, it says Pop-Tarts. These kind of things. That one made <laughs> totally. me laugh. But unless you're going to do it with a sense of humor, I think, uh, come on, let's do liveries on, on race cars, not on road cars. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm leaving the door open just in case there is something that I think, oh, that's really cool. Not for me to own, but I really like it. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm leaving that open. We'll just say that. Uh, what else? There's Wheelman GT on here asking about a cold engine. He says, is it harmful to constantly run the car in a cold engine because his commute is two miles to work? Mm-hmm. So he says his Mustang never warms up before he arrives and then shuts the car off. Yeah. 10 minutes is the benchmark that I've heard for something to warm up. You know, immediately start driving it. That helps a car warm up mm-hmm. faster than anything. If the engine is under load and you're moving... There is the option of taking a longer way to work. If you're worried about it, you can always do that. You don't have to take the same way if that is possible for you. Maybe it's not, but I will say, you know, leave earlier, take the long way, enjoy the car a little bit more. Funny, funny. And then you don't have to worry about if the car is warm. Funny. So, yes, otherwise it uh, it can cause a little bit of excess wear and tear. Uh, a couple of questions that have come up a couple times, and I wanted to speak to both of them. They're interesting. Uh, Ariopoulos wrote in and said, "What do we consider? We never talked about this. What do we consider a light car or a heavy car?" He's trying to look for a benchmark mm. from us because we talk about. I talk about weight a lot. I mean, come on, I drive ridiculously light cars. Oh, yeah. He's trying to figure out where the line is. This isn't a hard and fast rule because some cars hide their weight. Okay, for example, the M2 is almost exactly the same weight as the M4, and the M2 to me always feels lighter. 
Yeah. yeah. The uh, the Great. Quadrifolio, Alpha Quadrifolio. It and the M M four are almost M three are almost exactly the same weight, and yet the Alpha feels lighter. They're almost exactly the same weight. So there is there is a, a weird gray area here where the number, because we're not stats guys necessarily, the number is not the only deciding factor. But I will give you my kind of rough benchmarks, okay? Good. Any modern car that is less than 3,000 pounds is a light car. Agreed. Any modern car. Yeah. Any sports car above 3,500 is a heavy car. That 500 pounds, to me, is the sweet spot of cars before they start to feel big and heavy. Now, you can blur the lines. I know the GTR is 4,000 pounds, but both the Camaro and Mustangs right now are above 3,500. Yeah. Okay? That uh, Quadrifoglio, though, is like 3,800, and it feels light. But some of the little hatchbacks are right at 3,000 or less. The Cayman's 3,000 or less. The sure. FRS is 2,700. So is the Fiesta ST. Yep. yep. The Miata is 2,400. The Lotus is 2,000. So again, you get under 3,000 pounds, all those cars feel light. I'm with you. I like breaking it up into the segments. You know, 500 pounds per segment, you know, 2,500 to 3,000, 3,000 to 3,500. That 1988. Porsche 928 S4 was yeah. about 3,500, 3,500 pounds, okay. which then was a kind of a big, That's heavy a, That GT was a heavy car. car for the time, yeah. Now, think about this. As safety regulations have evolved, safety equipment has been added to cars for sure. quite for a sure. bit. So they've gotten heavier in general. But now think about the power increases that we've all seen throughout mm-hmm. the years. That 928 had 316 horsepower. Yeah. V8. Yeah. My Cayman's got 340. Yeah, true. And I think true. That GT car was fast. And your Cayman's lighter. And the Cayman's lighter. Yeah. So the power, you know, what we thought of as, wow, that was a powerful car. You know, the, the turbocharged mm-hmm, 90s mm-hmm. cars, the NSX. We thought, wow, that's a lot of power. No. <laughs> yeah. Camrys make more than that nowadays. Sure. Yeah. But cars have increasingly gotten heavier. Yeah. So that's always the debate is... You know, physics are still physics. The tire sure, patch is sure, yeah. still mm-hmm. the same throughout the years, but cars have gotten heavier and now overcoming it with a lot more power. Mm-hmm. But then tire technology has come a long way too. True. So true. all these things, you know, all those elements have stair-stepped their way up. Everything's gotten bigger. Yeah, but I, get I that. still come back to the, you know, 3,000 to 3,500 pounds is for me the sweet spot for cars. I love the light stuff too, S2000s and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, I think my Cayman is right around 3000. Right about 3 grand. I consider yeah. that like okay, and that's that's good. And so is the Avora. The Avora is about 3000, the Cayman's yeah. about 3000. They're yeah. all right around there. Like that. I like I like lighter stuff, but man, if you if you got under 3200 pounds, you've made a, a really a properly weighted sports car. Yeah. But like the M uh the M2 is like 34, 3500. I mean, it's it's, it's surprising that it weighs that much. But it doesn't the Mustangs, feel that. the Camaros, they they were up there like 36, 3,700 pounds, God. and they feel big. Uh, they're, they're, you kind of can't get away from that. You, in spite of power, look at look at the Hellcats of the world. Jeez. They just feel big. Plenty of power. Yeah. What do you want to tow while going for quickly in your Hellcat? But yet they feel big. The other question I wanted to touch on really quickly, and then I'm actually done, is, uh, okay, I'm no Superman on IG has asked this question a couple times. He's asking base versus upper-level cars, but here's the twist. Mm. Would we, if we had to choose between a base motor with manual or the upgraded motor, more power, but automatic, which way would we go? And his examples are EcoBoost Mustang oh. manual versus GT with auto or BMW 228i with manual versus M235i or 240 with the auto. My answer is this. It depends entirely on the automatic. 
True. Good point. Some of the automatics, I just would still go with the less power in the manual because the car is more engaging that way, and the automatic is just going to frustrate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some automatics, and honestly, the the automatic that Z8, that uh, sorry, the ZF eight speed in the oh sure uh, sorry I got that wrong ZF eight speed sure, in sure. the in the BMW is actually really good. So I would probably go M two thirty five I because it's a really we've tracked that transmission. It's fantastic. It really yeah. does a great job. Whereas a lot of the traditional automatics, I would avoid them and go with the lesser power and just go with manual because clearly I can handle less power cars and be fine with it. I mean, but, yeah. with the exception of that Quadrifoglio, the Alpha Quadrifoglio, that ZF really feels great. They've tuned it to mm-hmm. to be magical. I think it's great in the Alpha, yeah. Um, but generally speaking, Volkswagen's DSG, BMW's DCTs, mm-hmm. they're really great. They're very good autos. There is something to you know, low power and just extracting every last ounce. I've owned many of those cars. Connection. I love them. There is that there. Yeah. All right. So last question for me is Mr. Kid 37. He's asking, do you guys empty out your trunk before you go for a spirited drive? Or do you use a Velcro type box to batten down the hatches? Do they even work? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, we empty the cars out when we're driving them on camera. Yeah. Because we're doing <clears throat> spirited driving. Yes, exactly. We are. Uh, if you've never had a dent from the inside out caused by your laptop, then you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, absolutely. I tie everything down. I mean, only when I'm just kind of puttering around, do stuff, you know, letters or whatever, yeah. lay in the seat next to me. Yeah. Otherwise, it's tied down or it's not in the car. Well, that's the big thing is that you have to ask the question of what are you keeping in your car? Because mm-hmm. you and I don't keep much in our cars. Yeah. And yeah. the stuff I do keep in my car... I limit it entirely to storage space. That has to have a place, a specific pocket, a specific part of the glove box. So imagine how little I carry in my Lotus Elise because there's nowhere for it to go. It's gum. So it doesn't live in there. Yeah, Just exactly. gum. Anyway, guys, thank you a million for all your questions. We really appreciate it. We are uh, actually on track as you're listening to this. Craziness, yeah. Nuts. But uh, like I said, we really appreciate it. Write to us with your own questions, and we're looking forward to talking to you next time. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. Napa know-how. Right now, you can get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card by mail with the purchase of a Napa Legend Premium Battery. Its durability and power make it the obvious choice for people who hate getting stranded by a dead car battery. So pretty much everyone. The Napa Legend Premium Battery and $20 back. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two per household while supplies last. Offer ends 228.19. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran 
for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.